It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the potpourri edition, brought to you by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports editor and columnist, along with Jed Demusey, Local12 sports reporter, anchor, and producer. We've got a bunch of things we're going to touch on on this specific podcast as we're well underway with, with conference tournament action. Um, and, and I'm going to start there because we're not going to talk about each individual conference tournament. It's too fluid by the time people listen to the podcast. But right. I'm going to give you an all-expense-paid trip <laughs> to one conference tournament. Just one. Which one would you go oh, to? Oh, I, I don't think it's any question I would go to the Big East. I've never been to Madison Square Garden. Um, it looks – I'll tell you what, I would go to New York because the uh, – ACC tournaments right across the street at Barclays, that's too. Good, that's a good point. So you've got two the big, birds. The, yeah, the Big East, the two big birds at that, the Big East and the uh, and the ACC tournament. The Big East tournament over the years, and, and if you've followed sports for any length of time, I don't need to tell you this, it just seems to produce some magical moments. There just seem to be games, teams, individuals. And the atmosphere. The atmosphere. I don't know what, I don't know, chicken before the egg kind of thing or what came first, but is it, you know, is it the atmosphere that lends itself to such great games? I mean, just so many games over the years, going back to the old Big East that were just incredible. And I think in that setting, in the most famous arena in the world, the Mecca, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's really that close. No, really. I, I would I would agree that I've covered games in Madison Square Garden and, and, and um, it wasn't in the Big East term. It was actually a doubleheader. Kentucky was involved, and they, they actually played St. John's, so the, the atmosphere was yeah. really, really good. It was back in the early 2000s when uh, Mike Jarvis was ruining St. John's program. for Mike Jarvis. Period. Mike Jarvis. Oh, he had a god, Omar Cook. Omar. O-M-A-H. I did like the way Mike was, Jarvis talked. Was he the Was he the St. John's coach when – that that was a pretty good regional final with Ron Artest. I, I think he was the. In fact, I'm almost 100 percent sure he. And Ohio State he was the coach. That was a that was a pretty that was a really good game. I, I'm thinking he was the coach. He came from George Washington and kind of had a an interesting stint there. They've made some interesting head coaching yes, decisions have. over yeah, at, yes, at St. John's. But Cat. and again, I, I don't want to get too much into it. But we're taping this on a, a Thursday before Xavier's game against St. John's. I tell you what, they they may want to play. They if if they can win that game by a point and move on, St. John's looks to be very dangerous. They looked very good against Georgetown and, and on you, on Wednesday. You, you brought the point of the, the magical moments uh, before this tournament started. We did our college basketball podcast uh, on Sunday. Rick Roaring and Chad Brendel, myself, and Shamari Pons is just a dude yeah. that you looked at before the tournament. And go, man, could he take? Could he? Could he do a Jerry McNamara? Could he do? And you could name. Yeah. A bunch of different Kemba guys, Walker, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Kemba Walker. I, I, it, it always has that feel to it. But I'm with you. If I had one to go to, and I, I've covered an SEC tournament in New Orleans, that was good because you got a week in New Orleans. They're in St. Louis Nashville, this year, they're they? are in St. Louis this year. There's That's a lot of different venues. The, the Big Ten went to the Garden. Yeah. The ACC is in Brooklyn. Um, obviously, the Big East is where it should be right. and where it, 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 it always hopefully will be. Uh, but, yeah, some different venues um, uh, for, for these tournaments. I, I think the SEC just should rotate between Nashville, Atlanta, and, and New Orleans. Nothing against St. Louis. I like St. Louis. I like visiting St. Louis. I covered a regional tournament in St. Louis. Um, so I have nothing against it. It just doesn't have the, I don't know, the same feel, the, the same atmosphere. Yeah. But I'm with you. I think if you had tickets to, to – if I give you all-expense-paid trip to one, oh. I'm with you. Although the ACC, for whatever reason, when it's an ACC country, is pretty cool too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm, it's it's normally in Greensboro, right? Right. right. Um, yeah, I can't imagine. I, I would try to go. I mean, 
I'll I'll say this: if the ACC tournament was in Greensboro and the Big East tournament was in Barclays and not MSG, right. I think it'd be a little more difficult. I think I would lean towards the better basketball. So, depending on whether I thought the Big East or the ACC was going to be the better games, I would probably lean towards that direction. This year, oh, man, I don't know. I I may I may go to the to the ACC, although the the Big East is is some good basketball at all. Let's not forget about Quicken Loans Arena, Mac. Yeah, let's 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 go ahead and pass on that one Come for, on. For, for a moment. Uh, Greensboro does hold a special place in my heart too. I, I because I actually coached on the, on that floor in, in oh, a national. Wow. Yeah, that was where we won our national our AU national oh, championship. Right. So it was pretty. It's it's pretty cool. The city itself, eh? But it was all basketball all the time. So it really it really didn't mean a whole lot. But it was really cool to be on that floor and know, man, they played a Final Four or two here. They played ACC tournaments here. They played. NCA early round games. They played NCA regionals. It, it you didn't put cool. you didn't have a kid go on another kid's shoulder with the tape measure, did you? <laughs> did not do that. Okay, no, 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 all right. No, 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 no. Just, just but uh, it's sure. funny because <laughs> you can imagine there's not a lot of folks in there to watch the game. Right. But it's really cool that they, that's where they play the the, the championship right. game on it. Um, so that 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 part was neat, but it was pretty empty. That was that had an odd feel to it. For goodness sakes. All right, let's move on to, to UC and Xavier and, and and look ahead. Selection Sunday is upon us. We're going to touch on the selection show in a second. But um, the revamp selection show. What's a reasonable expectation for both as far as how far they go? I'll give you mine, but I'm giving, I'm going to ask you yours first, and I might throw Kentucky in the mix as well. Um, I mean, I think I think baseline is second weekend. I mean, I think both of these teams. I think that's the baseline as well. Right. I'm going reasonable expectation. I, I mean, outside. See, here's the thing, though. Outside of that, I don't think you can say reasonable expectation. I don't oh, think, I do. I do. I, I just don't think that you can say – I mean, depending on how everything lines up, depending on matchups, depending on this and that, I, I don't think you can say if Xavier doesn't make the Final Four, it's a wasted season. Or if UC doesn't make the Elite Eight, it's a wasted no, no, season. No, no, no. I'm, I'm asking reasonable expectation. Reasonable. I think reasonable expectation is Sweet 16 for uh, both you, of you these teams. You don't think for Xavier as a one seed it's reasonable to expect the Elite Eight coming off Elite Eight? You don't think that's reasonable? I think uh, – I don't think I don't think you can say because they made the Elite Eight last year. It's and they're a one seed that is reasonable to think. I just I, I don't think so. I don't think. Here's the thing. I don't think would, if would you're it be a Xavier fan, if they lost in the absolutely. Sweet I would say. Well, no, I would say I, I wouldn't be disappointed in them, but no. I think a reasonable expectation as as a okay. one seed and as a what could be a fairly high level one seed, maybe the second one seed. I I think it's reasonable to expect this team to get to the Elite Eight. I think the fan base. Thinks I don't it's, think it's reasonable to expect Final Four. I think right. that, that's certainly well within their reach and is, is an attainable goal. I don't think it's reasonable to expect that. I think it's reasonable to expect Elite Eight. Yeah, I guess it's. I guess it depends on on what your definition of reasonable is. I think it's reasonable to expect. I think it's reasonable to think that they could make it. I don't think it's reasonable to say if they don't make the Elite Eight, this season's a failure. I don't think that's I don't, reasonable. I, yeah, I don't think I'd call the season a failure. I think I'd call the the, the tournament run, yeah, um, a disappointment uh, or a letdown. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pin that on the whole season. Same for UC. Right. If UC doesn't get out of the first weekend, and I certainly think they do, right. and I think your expectation, for that, I think that's reasonable. I think it's reasonable to expect this team to get the Elite Eight. Right. Although it wouldn't surprise us, wouldn't surprise us to get to the Final Four. Um, but. I, I can't pin a whole season on what you do in the term. I know that's how everybody labels right. teams, but I think it's reasonable. Now, here, here's my question. If I were to give you, I'm going to ask another part. Well, let me ask you, what's reasonable for Kentucky? 
Winning a game or more? Mm. Well, depend if they're healthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they've if they have all their their uh, the players at their disposal, I think it's reasonable to think that that they win a game. Yeah, I think. I think the way this Kentucky season is gone, I think they could lose in the first round. I think they could figure out a way to sneak into the Elite Eight just because of the way they've played this year and how good they've looked at times and how bad they've looked at times. I think it's I think the pendulum really swings for them. But I think that with Kentucky, the expectation is you're not going to be one and done in the tournament. I think it's reasonable to think that this team is going to win a game. Yeah. All right, I'm going to give you five teams. You don't have to name the five teams, but I'm going to give you. I'm going to let you pick five teams. Okay. Just off the top, you don't have to pick all. You don't have to pick them, but I'm going to throw this in there. I'm going to let you pick five teams okay. that that would have a chance to win the national championship, and I get all the rest. Maybe just a head to head bet. <laughs> okay. You know, hear me out. Would Xavier be among the five? Wow. <laughs> See, I'm making you think now. See, th- this is this is hard because. It- <laughs> It, it's, it, I don't. I don't know how much of Stockholm syndrome is is coming in for me because I've seen this team play this year, and and the other part about Xavier that I'm I'm glad I, I'm getting to touch on is the way Chris Mack is able to figure out matchups on the fly, to to make substitutions, to put lineups in, to to sort of navigate his way around different teams. The way he did it last year as an 11 seed, it's it's almost if you're a Xavier fan and you think last year as an 11 seed we came in and we didn't have a lot of expectations. This year we've got some things to work on, but we've got one of the best coaches in the country that loves diving in. Him and his staff can figure out ways to to sort of exploit things and hide things that they're not good at. We know they're not good defensively, but I think that this team is going to take another step as they go into the NCAA tournament. Sean O'Mara last year in the tournament was off was the charts. Off the charts. And I think that, that you're going to have some of those um, performances as well. I think Xavier fans can can look forward to, to that. I think, and I know I'm going long on this answer, I think one guy... Yeah, because I asked you if they're in the top five. But go ahead. Right. I think, I think the one guy in this equation for Xavier is, is Kaiser Gates. I think if they can get more out of him than they did this the, up this season up to this point, they're going to be a dangerous team, and I think he's capable of doing that. All that being said, I'm giving you five. Are they in the five? I think I would. T- I think I would take them in the five. Okay. All right. I I I think I would too, because I I start to get to two seeds and I can't really make a choice of somebody yeah. else. All right. If I were to give you eight teams, now I'll go lucky seven. Let's go lucky seven. If I were to give you seven teams, is UC among the seven? I don't think they are. I don't either, and, I, and that's unfair probably, right, for both of us to say that? Because, I mean, they've accomplished so much. They have. Um, they, they And the win at Wichita cannot be poo-pooed as, ah, it's just a conference no. team, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're a quality team. They're going to be a four seed probably in the NCAA tournament. So I, I can't throw that win away. But I just the, – the body of work against quality teams – I'm, I'm telling you, I'm putting them – I'm giving you seven teams, right? Can, I just don't know if UC's capable of winning all six games to win a national championship above some other teams that are probably going to be seeded worse than them. And that's probably unfair. Right. Because I really like them. I do too. Here, here's the thing about UC. You're not going to win a tournament game when your last field goal 
is with four minutes left in the game. I agreed. It's not going to happen. I mean, it's, agreed. it's just not going to happen. And Especially the deeper you go. The deeper you yeah. Exactly. You're going to need to find and, – and, you know, this season, really, the, the loss at Houston, there have been times where this team has – they just haven't had a guy take over. Yeah, the Houston game was there for the winning. Exactly, exactly, and it goes back. I, I remember the old Bill Simmons line when he when he used to write halfway decent columns, <laughs> was he would say, "When when your starting five gets into the car, who's who, who's taking the keys? Right? Who are you throwing the keys to? Who's going to be the guy that can go and get the bucket? Jacob and, Evans should be that guy. Right? Should and, be that guy. But you know, if there's 15 seconds left in the second round. You know, in the round of thirty-two, down and Mick, one, and Mick Cronin calls a timeout. Who do you know who's going to get that shot? I don't because I don't know if Jacob Evans will take that shot. Right. I I, I know who I'm getting the ball in the hands of to start my set. Right. It will be Jacob Evans. Right. And uh, I, I, but I, I don't just, know if he's willing to do that. Right. And I think that that yes, the Wichita State win is is not to be denied. It's a tough place sure. to go. Uh, it's yeah. tough to win on the road in any conference at, at all this year. It's been a, but especially been a with what was on the year. line in that game. I with, mean, that is, without question, yeah. and, and that that should not be discounted. But I think the fashion in which they won that game, which is their signature win, mm-hmm. um, is not conducive to to how you have to play in in the NCAA tournament. They can certainly get there, and I think a lot of the, you know, the other thing I noticed in that, in that uh, Cincinnati Wichita State game, and I, I listen to you and Chad and Rick, and and those guys know sets and 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 whatever and all that, and I'm sure they they noticed this too. But McCronin's body language was different. It seemed like he was just a little more like at ease than he normally is. He looked to be. He he almost looks as every game. It's almost like when his kids make a mistake that he's just so infuriated with them, and it looked at well. At you're, certain, you're, 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 you got to be true to your personality. That's, that's right. Why I, I get it. He's he's like he's wound tight. I'm wound tight. I you, I'm, I can't speak for him, but I know for myself personally, the things I get upset is stuff that you've repped a thousand different times. Right. That get messed up. Um, that shouldn't get messed up. I think that's the stuff that frustrates coaches a lot of times. But I think it's a question of, and and I've never coached, but I think it's a question, and Mick's a great coach. Um, I think it's a question of when you are frustrated, how do you take that frustration and turn it into something productive? And Well, and I think the one thing I will tell you is in close games, I know myself, I'm different. I, 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 right. I kind of relax more because now you're really just trying to figure out what can you do to get the stop? What can you do to get a bucket? And I think that's where your mind starts to go. And maybe that's where he was in that game. Yeah. I, I just think I think his – and I'm not saying he needs to change his demeanor, but I think a, a little – I think what I saw in that in that game from him, just the moments, the cutaways that they showed of him, it looked as if he was coaching maybe with a – with a with a lighter air about him, yeah, maybe. So and and, maybe. and again, I think if you take, I, I just you know seven teams. Okay, let, let me explain. Ten teams. Yeah, I would put them in there. I'm still not sure I would, and that's just so bad for me to say that. I think I would. I think event. I think you're. And I guess have, I'd have to write down the other nine in front of in front of them before I could make that decision. I think you're going to have a game or two where the the leadership that they have on the floor. Is is going to win the day, with with guys. You know, I I, I mean, you're going to have to 
you're gonna have to pry Gary Clark off the floor. Agree. When, whenever you know, right? If he, whenever he's going down ends. swinging, I don't mean uh, maybe I do mean that. <laughs> but I, I, I think he will swing yeah. if if he has to, and and uh, he's he's meant a lot, and and we you guys have talked about it ad nauseum. But but that type of guy on that team, and I think that there are guys again when you look at. When you look at UC, it would be different if you said, and the same thing goes for Xavier, it would be different if you said, man, this team is clicking. Right. They are clicking on all cylinders. They don't they are they are coming into the tournament, guns a blazing, they are ready to go. I don't think you can say that for either one of these teams. And they're both twenty seven and four. I, I think Xavier's close to being guns a blazing. I don't think they're close defensively. No, they're never gonna be. And that's why right. we've talked about it on the podcast. That's why but the one, the one is three one a- is the magical elixir in this tournament because of the short turnaround times. Right. And the short preparation times. But what I'm saying is there is still room to grow for both of these oh, agreed. teams agreed. coming in, and they're both 27-4. and four. Agreed. So. I, I, I think for me, and I, I as a defensive-minded coach myself, I think I'd rather have the guys who I can turn to and go, you can get a bucket, you can get a bucket, I can create a bucket, and I just don't know if I got that with UC. I've got that with Xavier. I don't know if I've got that with the UC. 10's probably the right number. Maybe if I had to write these all down, I'd probably put them in my 10. I certainly wouldn't go beyond 15. Um, but I don't know. Just the eyeball test doesn't make me think they can win the whole thing. Xavier's eyeball test does, and it's probably not fair. I think Xavier has some guys that have, that have proven they can rise to the occasion. I, think I hope that, I'm wrong. I hope they're both in the final four. We, right. get, we get a chance to, to see it come down to that. That may be the craziest week in local 12 history it if they're both have, oh my heavens, in the, the final four holy cow. with opening day yeah. on yeah. Thursday. Yeah, holy Toledo. That will be uh, that will be a fun, yeah. crazy week where we'll all just take two weeks off after that. Yes, but, please. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd love to see them both in the final four as well. I'd love to see... You know, I'd love to see Ohio State make her own. I'd love to see yeah, NKU. I, I, I think Ohio State, he maximized what he could when they needed to against the portion of the schedule. I don't see them getting out of the first weekend. I just don't. Mm. We'll have to, I mean, he, he's done a great job, and they've yeah. done a great job overachieving, and eventually you just hit that wall. Now, maybe I, I'm looking at that in, in the wrong prism because it's really been one team that has, that has knocked them around, and that's Penn State, which beat them three times inexplicably. Um, and, and maybe that's the unfair part of it, but you know, if you really look, if you really look back at what they did in the league, for the most part, it was against the second level teams. For the most part, well, but they were not all the way across they were the board. Sixteen and one against every team except for Penn State. Yeah, fair where enough. They were zero and three. Yeah, which I mean, is which is crazy. And if Penn State would have found a way to get in the tournament, which they probably won't, but if they would have had another win, if they would have beat, I think they would. Yeah, one more win, Purdue, done and that would have been the craziest resume. For any team, I mean, they, they don't have any semblance of a resume except Correct. for three wins over Ohio State. And what would have been one more quality win over over? Right. Purdue. I'll tell you this much. I'm going to have a hard time putting uh, – if, if Ohio State's a four seed and they – I don't think – I think they're going to be a five at best. Okay. At best. Well, if they're in the four or five matchup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if they match up with Virginia in the Sweet 16 – Fair enough. I don't – it's going to re- – I'm really going to have to be convinced to put Virginia – I think you're you're not alone. Yeah, I don't think I am either. So when you say you, they're done after the first weekend, I think matchups factor into that because now you're thinking about oh Ohio State Virginia. I think about Ohio State there All right. because they've got a guy you can go to. They've got Kata Bates Diop. I mean they they've got a guy who can get you buckets. And I just I, I think Virginia is going to be and and they may go on and win the whole thing. I think they're a, a pretty good team. Tony, well Bennett, they wouldn't face until Sweet Sixteen if it's four or five. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah eight so nine you, second game. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. But I'm saying that. Yeah. Okay. So, so they, they would they, go. So they'd be if they're a five, five, twelve, and then, and, and then a four, five game. Yeah. So they could. They could potentially, and, and depending on matchups, if they played Wichita, if they played Wichita, I mean, if they played, I think Buffalo's good. If Buffalo wins the MAC, but five twelve with Buffalo, they could be out in the first round. But they could go to the Elite right. Eight, depending on matchups. Buffalo is really good, actually. They are good, and. I think I think Miami's got a chance in this in this MAC tournament just because they beat Buffalo earlier this year. Not a chance. They, they exercised the demons. Not beating them twice. Not not gonna happen. Well, maybe somebody else beats Buffalo. I tell you what, I I, I I will say I know you guys love to not talk about Miami, but I think Jack Owens deserves some credit. I, for, I brought for him what he's up done. on a podcast. <laughs> you and did, I got, and I got shot and it down. It was widely widely and old man Owens down. boy. Yeah, yeah. It, I think he's done a, a really job. a really good job. And based on you know you got the freshman of the year, you've got. Um, you know, you, you've got a couple guys that made the all-conference team. Yeah. That's a good start. It is. It is a good start. And I, I don't think that anyone really – and they haven't blown the doors off people, and they haven't – you know, there have been games where they've where they've struggled. But I don't think that anyone really anticipated them even being – Flirting with 500 or having a winning – Yeah, a winning record since 08 even, even going away from the home – you know, the the first round of the MAC championship is at home sites. For them to go to Cleveland, get a taste of that, it's I, I'm as a Miami alum, I'm I'm happy with yeah. with the work he's done. All right. Uh, the NCAA selection show is changing formats this year. They're going to a to a two hour show. The last hour of it's going to be analysis. And look, I get it. I mean TV's TV networks are stretching for anything they can do to make people stick around and watch right. as opposed to DVRing, etc. And this is one of those where uh, those that want to know are going to sit there glued to their TV. But they're going to announce the 68 team field um, first in, in alphabetical order, then come back and start doing brackets. I, I am hoping, though, someone will, will release the brackets somehow, some way, and you right. mainly have me be able to turn away from the TV and go, I'm done. I, just, honestly, just get it all done in the first half hour, be done with it. It's, it really isn't that hard. No, it isn't that hard. I get it's I get the whole revenue product and that's where tv sometimes ruins tv it really does tv finds a way to ruin tv right i think it's i think it's difficult because if you know if you were in charge of this and you had to look at hey we could have 20 minutes of of somebody juggling on our on our coverage everybody would watch would you do what you what you just said to do? No, probably not. Unfor- no, I, I, that's why I said I get it. It just as a viewer, it's annoying to the point where that makes you be more angry at TV. Right. I just think it's it's it's, it's one of the rare revenue opportunities you have where right. you have people who aren't fast forwarding through your commercials. Right. For two hours. And basically. I think and I think it's difficult to say what would I do. We all know how as a viewer we would want to watch, but we all know that we're going to watch anyway. Correct. So when people say, gosh, this thing isn't broke, why why are you trying to fix it? It's not broke. Why are you trying to fix it? They're not trying to fix it. No, they're trying to they're add trying money. To, they're trying to fixate you. They're right. trying to keep you involved. While they're they make money. You, while they make money. Understood. That's what it's all about. And if the, the bottom line is, is they're going to keep tinkering with it if they f- figure out a way that they can make more money around it. And that's not. this is not the only entity that does right. this. This is pretty much every business. Every business model says maximize your profits, and, and that's what they're trying to do. I don't like it. I think part of the fun of the selection show as it used to be was um, 
they used to have when you know that last 12 line or that last 11 line when you have a team it was Xavier last year we all knew they were getting in but when they when they weren't yeah, revealed yeah for, it was it was a little harrowing for a minute it was a little touch and go and that kind of drama is I think what makes that show and for them to sort of announce the entire field and kind of take some of that away where you're not necessarily waiting until you know, 20, 30 minutes into the show, you know your team's already made it. I think that's, a, you know, an interesting takeaway. The studio audience portion of it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, no. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand that. And and Rick Rick and I were talking about that. Broering and I were talking about that. And he said, oh, it'll be cool if people boo Doug Gottlieb or for <laughs> one of their takes. I said, they're going to get the most milquetoast people. Absolutely. They're going to tell them when to clap. They're going to tell it's, it's just going to be a, a complete charade. It's not going to be you know, people in the room that are going to start chanting and, and giving the anchors guff for their for their takes. But um, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you may have to wait for the bracket. Maybe it gets released. Maybe it doesn't. But it, it, it's not going to ruin no, we're gonna anything. Watch. You're going to watch. We're going to watch. And it's not going to ruin anything. I do think that they're I, – I do understand the aspect that they're just trying to maximize – the, the window that the captivation that they that they have yeah and i don't blame them for that all right we are uh, actually as we tape this less than a week away from nfl free agency beginning um the Bengals have a handful of their own that that are worth talking about do they do they resign them russell bodine tyler eifert and even the punter kevin kevin huber let's start with with uh, with bodine because i think it is a tough question um we talked about this but he's He's a guy who's been uh, who's been durable. Um, he's a guy who's been average at best. It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know, depending on if you can't go out and re- or can't go out and sign a free agent like yeah. a Ryan Jansen or whomever else that you think is worthy, or draft Billy Price or Frank Ragno or the kid, the Daniel. I think it's Daniel's kid from Iowa, um, and and make sure they're a plug and play center. Um, what do you do with him first and foremost? Because um, I don't think you get him back on a one-year deal. This will be a multi-year yeah. because somebody else is going to offer him a multi-year. It yeah, may we, not be a lot of money, but it'll right. be multi-year. Yeah, and and he'll you know they'll he'll jump at the security of that. Um, I think we talked about it last podcast. I think if the Bengals think they can get Billy Price in the second round, that that's the direction you go. And he had a a bit of a he had sur- yeah surgery. Yeah, he had a bit of a mishap at the combine. Um, which is supposed to be ready for training camp, I believe. Right. Yeah. So, but that, you know, and, and I know Bengals fans roll their eyes when they say, oh, here we go. We're taking another, we're taking another high draft pick with it, with, uh, you know, an injury situation. Um, but I think if, if you can get him, and it's a roll of the dice, it's a risk because you're going to have to, if you do, as you mentioned, if you bring back Bodine, it's not going to be just, you know, he's not going to sign a, a one-year deal. Correct. He's going to have to, you're going to have to bring him back for longer. And I don't think you have to overpay, though, because I, I don't think the market no, is huge for no. him. But. Um, you know, it's, 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 all, it's all so freaking fluid. That it is. It's, that it's, it's you know, I, I saw Joe Goodberry on The Athletic talk about um, – the uh, the guard from Georgia, Isaiah yeah, Wynn. He's moved way up. He's moved way up, and he's six three. But but here's is the other part. You in theory, as we sit here today, you really have enough guards. Maybe you still have Clint Bowling that you can move back to guard. The two kids that played at the end of the year played well enough to where you're intrigued. Trey Hopkins. 
played okay at times. Well, his his point was he could he could you could potentially kick him out to tackle. Yeah, because I've he read played, some things that, that people aren't too keen on that concept. Well, it's, it's just possible, the only yeah. I think the reason people aren't keen on that is because he's he doesn't have the measure. Right, he's six three. Right. He's he's barely six three. I think Goodberry in that column said if he was six six, he'd be a top. Well, five but pick. he's not. I mean, so let's right. not go to the ifs. Yeah, right, I mean, he's not. but but the way but his tape shows you that he should be. Yeah, I, that, I don't. I don't need. A, I don't need. A, I don't. Yeah, I don't need a kick out tackle. I need a tackle. I need somebody that that's his position group. I don't. If you want to do that, I can move Clint Bowling back out there because Clint showed me in an NFL game that he could do it. Right. I, I just think it, if if you if you aren't going to play him at tackle, if he's got the size, if you have enough guards. Is it a possibility that, that that if you go I for would, him, he could be a guy that could that could in a pinch play tackle? Could. That that is a guard. I'm not, I'm not drafting a guard with the 12th pick. I'm taking a left. But tackle I'm saying he I'm could be. He well, could I'm be a other position group. But he could be a Swiss Army knife on the offensive line. Okay, great. I, that's a second, third round guy for me. I'll okay. take my I take my third round Swiss Army knife. I'm not taking a guard with my 12th pick. I'm okay. just not doing it. I to me. I think if especially been, when you've got probably enough guards already, you need tackles. Right. I. I and that may that may mean you have to dive into free agency for one. Right. I think if the Bengals are serious about and and you kind of threw some cold water on it when we talked about it in the last podcast. And I'm not trying to 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 you know say Russell Bodine isn't isn't a I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a fine person. But I think if the Bengals are serious about what was displayed in that Marvin Lewis press conference, I don't think they bring him back. Devil you know versus the devil you don't though. But I think there there is something to be said. New offensive line coach, he doesn't have to talk glowingly about Russell Bodine right now. He's not really his guy. He's an unrestricted right. free, and he talked glowingly about him. Frank Pollock did about how much he's looking forward to, to coaching him if he comes back. I I mean I didn't see any of that. Uh, that's that's a, a, a I'm, look. I'm not trying to sell you on Russell Bodine. Right. I'm just it, it, the thing is it is so it is so fluid because I don't know what their plan are and, and that that kind of segues me into to another right. another part of and it. that that really could be the Bengals slogan for this upcoming year the devil you know versus the devil Correct. you don't because this is a franchise that loves the devils they know right and that and and that's what I'm saying well, I, is I, that if this team is 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 set on we're putting a line we're drawing a line in the sand and we're going to change some things around here I think this is an opportunity for them to say, yes, we don't know necessarily what's out there, but we see what we have and we want to improve on that. All right, but they have spent the last couple of weeks signing and courting veteran free agents who have been cut by other teams. They're allowed to sign them. March 14th is the signing, the, the beginning of free agency signing period, but other veterans who've been cut by other right. teams you can negotiate and sign with now. They, they signed uh, Bobby Hart, who was a cast-off from the Giants and really was kind of a failed offensive lineman. He's at least... I guess a depth provider. They they flirted with signing safety Kurt Coleman. He ends up signing with the Saints, and they did sign on Wednesday uh, Chris Baker, a, a defensive end who was last with Tampa Bay. Uh, struggled with some effort issues. Struggled converting from a from a three four defense to a four three defense. Um, I find those signings curious. I don't know if it's if it's to say these are fallback plans or this is the free agency strategy because. <laughs> Our salary cap money, which is roughly 35 mil, has now been chopped to basically 32 mil because of the signing of Baker, is we're looking to extend a handful of guys, and that's where our cap money is going. Yeah. And that these are stop gaps. We're going to go ahead and make draft picks on the offensive line and probably at some point on the defensive line and certainly at safety at some point. But we're looking for those guys, those guys we draft, to maybe not be ready right away, so we better have – at least a veteran backup plan, and that's what these signings are. 
I find them curious. I mean, how could you look at that and say anything else? I mean, well, the, the only other thing you can say is they think they can play, and that's their signings. <laughs> I mean, if I, I, you know, I, I don't know these guys from Adam. I don't, I can't, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I watched a lot of, of I, I, you know what, a heart, and I can't even remember the other guy's name that you said. <laughs> Chris Baker. I, I like Kirk Coleman. I thought Coleman. Kirk Coleman would have would have made some sense. I thought Kirk Coleman would have fit. He's an Ohio boy. I wouldn't have paid Ohio him six State. million dollars though. I wouldn't have done that. Right. Um, but when I when I heard that they were kind of in the mix for him, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I could see how he could fit. He's a gamer. He's played on some winning teams. He he's he's he, he's something that 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 Terrell Austin, the new defensive coordinator, he he wants guys. And I was when I asked him a question at press night, he wants guys. Who can create turnovers? Because that's one thing this defense has not done uh, and didn't do under Paul Gunther. They were good at not allowing points, um, but they weren't a ball hawking team. And some of that is you got to have guys that can do it. George Iloka is a very good safety. He can't catch a cold back there. He's not. He's just does, right. doesn't have the skill set to do it. Reggie Nelson did. Um, and Reggie Nelson walked as a free agent. I, I got it. Sean Williams this time. Sean Williams isn't a, a great right. playmaker. He's a good player. He's not a great playmaker. So. I think they're in need of some playmakers. I think that's what Kirk Coleman they were looking at and going, all right, this guy, he may take some gambles, but he's going to go get the football for us. Right, and and you know it fell by the wayside, and he decided to sign with with New Orleans instead. I I don't necessarily I, I can I, I certainly hope going back to to what you originally said that that, that these guys are 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 stop gaps or guys that they're sort of taking to fill out the back end of the roster because I think they're in trouble if if. If these guys are no question are who they think yeah are no doubt going to be Bobby Hart is not if Bobby Hart's starting a game for you you've had multiple injuries and you're not very good and and he and he may rise to the occasion no, he but won't. based on everything we've Correct. seen he's not done you that. can't say Correct. that that this is that this should you know that nobody's run into the Paul Brown Stadium ticket window based on these guys Correct. and they're not going to and that again is the exact opposite of what I think a lot of people expected based on what we heard when Marvin was brought back. And it seems like the veteran guys who have covered this team, you think that that was all lip service. I, I just don't, it's just not their MO. It's, it's just not. Now, the one thing I will say the caveat to it is, I mean, you have a couple of veterans you can cut and save some cap money and then take that money and go get, some free agents. Michael Johnson, he he I didn't think he'd make the team last year. He did. Yeah. He was okay, but he's not okay enough to bring back at the price tag. Same thing for Brandon LaFell. I thought Brandon LaFell deserved to come back last year because he was pretty productive the year before, especially when AJ Green got hurt. But there's a thousand Brandon LaFells out there. You got right. him on your roster. He if he comes back, in theory, because of my theory is John Ross comes back as healthy and plays, Tyler Boyd plays the way he did as a rookie and the way he did at the end of last year. If, if that happens, and that's a big if. By I, the end of last year, you mean like the last catch well, against yeah, Baltimore? Yeah, correct. <laughs> but if, if those things happen, and that's still a big if, Brandon LaFell at best is a fourth wide receiver. Yeah. So is Josh Malone. So is Alex Erickson. So is a guy you, so is a guy you draft. I mean, you can draft a Brandon LaFell. So I, I'm not so sure I don't cut a couple of those guys. Here's Adam thing. Jones is the most interesting one to me because he doesn't – if you cut him, you're, you, you really do have a big chunk of cap savings. But in a league of needing cornerbacks, do you bring him back with the thought, though, that I don't think he starts over William Jackson. I don't think no. he starts over Drake Kirkpatrick. I don't think you put him back in the slot. And I think Darquez Denard did a pretty good job in the slot 
Are you going to have him as your fourth corner with that kind of a price tag? Well, and the other part is is that you've committed so much money to Drake Kirkpatrick that you have to play him. Yes, correct. I know that's, so, that's my point. Right. So, I mean, regardless of whether or not I'm, – I'm saying for the listener at home, yeah. if you say, well, you know what, I think Adam Jones is better than Drake Kirkpatrick – Tough noogies because yeah. Dre's gonna play Correct. because of that of that deal. I mean, it's it, and I hate to dovetail here, but I've done it a lot. It's it's hard to believe that Drake Kirkpatrick is making the same amount of money as Geno Atkins. It is well, but that, that, that's where and that's where I wanted some of the cap money because everybody looks at the salary right. cap in a real vacuum of oh they got this money to spend this year. No, not if you're looking down the road. And I'll give the, the Bengals for the right. most part have identified their guys right. and kept their core guys for the most part. Not right. always, but right. for the most part. And so after 2018, guess who were unrestricted free agents? Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins. I don't know if I break the bank for Carlos Dunlap, but I damn well break the bank for Geno Atkins. Yeah, he's a, he's a first bout Hall of Famer. No question. I mean, he's going that way. No yeah. question. Yeah, I, I think you do. Um, and so there's some of that cap money that you're looking at going, well, they got this. Nah, they really don't because some of that can be applied if they, if they um, extend him now, and I think they should. The other part, the other thing, about Geno Atkins is not only is he a fantastic player, not only is he on the field He's talking to making other other well, he doesn't talk to the media. But he doesn't he he's He's a, and you hate to say this, and and this isn't why you pay, but he's doing the right things. Well, he's, not, he's and he just he makes that whole line. I mean, he he makes he makes other guys better because you're not single blocking Geno Atkins because when you right. do that guard gets dumped in the quarterback's lap or the running back's lap. But he's just the type of guy who isn't. Yeah, he spends just his off season doing work. his job. And he let's just, face it, that's that's a that's a prototypical. That's what Marvin Lewis likes. That guy. Yeah, and and that's and that's Geno. So you know you're you're going to extend him, and and this money is you, you can't. You're, you're right. I think a, peop, a lot of people do look at this and say. This is the money we have to spend, and that and that may not be the case. Um, the Adam Jones thing to me, I, I think I think it's I think it would make a lot of sense to to say goodbye. But you can never have too many co- cornerbacks. No, you can't. You can't. And I, I just I mean, these two months are so fluid because of decisions right. like that. Decisions on what you might do free agency wise, and then those decisions will impact what you do draft wise. Right. It's it's just it isn't it. it, There there aren't going to be a lot of there aren't going to be there's not going to be that big signing. I think the Bengals fans are waiting. I think I don't. A lot of people are anticipating. I, I I just don't think that there's going to be that that big signing for this team. So the question then becomes. Do you because you're not committed because you know you're not you're gonna you're gonna have some rookies they're gonna get paid on a rookie scale they're not gonna affect the cap too no really the, too 30, terribly. the, the thirty-five million dollar figure in the cap actually fe- figures in slotted money for, right. for draft picks so that's already really slotted in right so do you do you bring back Adam Jones do you, I just don't think if you cut Adam Jones and the money you save on that I just don't see I, I really don't see the Bengals putting that back towards somebody else unless it's extending their own unless it's extending their own which i think is what they do yeah. with that money so uh, that being said if they're not going to if they're not going to take that money and go out and get somebody else or get one or two guys that that are that can play then i then i think you then i think you bring him back all right tyler eifert's agent asks for three years and i, I don't even want to put a monetary figure on it but, but but high market value for for what 
what his 2015 season suggests. You're saying he did, or this no, no, is hypothetical? No, no, hypothetical. Okay. That's what his agent says. If you're the Bengals, what do you say? I don't saying? think I signed him to a three-year deal. Agreed. I don't think I, – I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I mean, unless he it's – I mean, three years, maybe 30 mil on the market, maybe. I don't know if a team will do it. Only takes one. It we only, talked ta- about, it we only ta- takes one. We talked right. about that. With it, o- it only takes one. Um, you know, be uh, sometimes when I look at the when I think about when when you say to me three years, thirty million for Tyler Eifert, I, I if I had uh, you know I, I like uh, spot track. I think I like looking at that and seeing what are other tight ends making. What, what where would that put right. him in in the mix? Right. And off the top of my head, I don't know. What other top tight ends in the in the I think league they did a market down. value thing. I think the market value for him was three years around thirty mil. I think that's right. Okay, I I wouldn't pay him that if I'm the Bengals. That's a hypothetical market value, but that's they, yeah. they, they do a nice job. Spot Rack does a nice job with that. I I, I definitely wouldn't. I, for me, it's a one year incentive laden deal or bust. Yeah, and I I think really, I, I think Tyler Eifert should take the posture of I'm going to sign a one year deal. But it only takes one. I know that, but I think if he comes back, and it's a big if, and that's a question: is does Tyler believe enough in himself he, to take it to the, take his medicine year, this year, sign a one-year deal, go out and prove it with incentives? I mean, that with based incentives. on based on you know games played, snaps played, whatever. Right. However, you want to incentivize it, it's fair to both sides. Right. You're not saying you know you get X number of dollars if you catch. Uh, you know, have a thousand yard season, which is not going to happen, or catch twenty one touchdowns, which is not. But I mean, something fair. I think. I think if I'm him, I'd do it, and I'm certainly if the Bengals, I'd, I'd that would be my offer, and that would be the last. I don't. I don't make another offer. Well, and I think it's an indication of whatever Tyler Eifert signs. It's an indication of how he feels about himself. Yes. If he thinks I'm going to sign a one year deal, I'm going to I'm going to take my medicine. I've had I've had some injury issues. I think I'm the type of person that deserves more than a three-year, thirty million dollar year, thirty million dollar deal. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna get more than that it. next year. Right. I have to. I'm prove gonna it. get a four-year deal. Then, or if he says, you know what, there's more sand in the bottom of the hourglass than there is at the top. I gotta make hay while the sun shines. I'm. Who knows? I'm an injury away potentially from from shutting it down. I gotta get this three-year deal. And three years, thirty million. That's not all going to be guaranteed. But it is going to be more stability than signing a one-year incentive-laden deal. So I think what Tyler Eifert, what he decides to do is going to be an indication of how he feels about his own abilities. Fair enough. All right, uh, Reds, three weeks away from, from opening day starting. I'm not sure we've gotten a lot of answers um, to mm-hmm. this point. Uh, one of the answers that I'm starting to get more and more, though, is, uh, look, I'm not concerned about Joey Votto's one for 14 springs the, at the moment we talk about this. But but Billy Hamilton's over fourteen spring on the top of Jesse Winker swinging the bat pretty well on the top of Scott Shelbler swinging the bat pretty well. I'm just having a hard time making Billy Hamilton a regular everyday guy anymore. I just I'm having a hard time believing that he is. Well, I certainly don't think he should be batting leadoff. Well, no, that's not even debatable. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think he he should. Um, I was reading something the other day. I, I feel bad that I, that I don't remember. I, I want to give this guy credit, but. They basically the point was that yes, he doesn't get on base as much as you as much as you would like, but when he does get on base, boy, does he make a difference. And it's almost great, as if he. Great. You know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put him on base in the seventh inning, pinch running for somebody, and then go play defense. I'm going to. I'm not even going to ask him to get on. I'm going to put you on because somebody got on that I want you to run for. That's what I'm going to do. That's about how much he gets on base anyway. 
Yeah. 29% of the time, which roughly, if you get five at-bats a game, is one time. I don't even need you to do it, buddy. I don't even need you to try to get on base. I'm going to put you on base, and then you can go create havoc. And that's what a fourth outfielder with that kind of speed does. And it can be a weapon. Make him more of a weapon and make your lineup better top to bottom by getting him the hell out of it and getting somebody else in. And Jesse Winker, to me, is the guy. Yeah, I think uh, it, it becomes a question of, you know, how how much do you do you do you wait for somebody to come along, and how much? And we've been waiting for a while. Sure. And how much do you stunt somebody else's growth by holding back what you're waiting on from Billy Hamilton? You, there's nothing. There's no longer anything to wait. That, and that's the thing. Right. The sample size is too big now. It, right. It, you get to that stage of your career, you basically are what you are. Okay. I, I, Sometimes power numbers go up when you get into your 27, 28, 29, 30, that, that, what's called those power prime years. And you see it. Guys kind of ascend. They have about a five- or six-year run of really high production power-wise, then drop off on the other end as Mother Nature and age starts to take, take care of that. Billy Hamilton is Father he, time. Father would, time, yeah. Would no, be Mother Nature, Mother Mother Nature, Nature. man. Maybe, maybe, maybe you get weather beaten. That's what you, you get weather beaten. The sun gets to you. The, the, Ohio, the sun in the wind. The Ohio River crested it over correct. 60 That's correct. feet. Yeah, so. Father time. Thank you. Father time. I get them all confused. I didn't like Mother Nature as much as Father time. Um, but, uh, no, I think Billy is what he is, and, and there's, there's just no denying that. Yeah, and I, I, think, I, I think if he the, – the whole, the whole idea – Okay, with the way the Reds are set up, is that there's somebody knocking at the door at every position. Yes. Okay. Dick Senzel's knocking, and and, and Jesse Winker's knocking. Here's the deal: if you're not going to honor that, then what is the point? You're not a a team that's going out and spending money. No, I I I like their everyday eight. I really do. I I like the fact that Nick Senzel, you're not forcing him in there yet because it's not time yet. But here's the deal. But Jesse Winker, it's time. But here's the the thing is, is that, you know, you could almost justify it, kind of like what we talked about with Drake Kirkpatrick. If you sign Jacoby Ellsbury and you're the Yankees and he's not productive and you've got a guy in AAA, you you give Ellsbury the the benefit of the doubt for longer than you normally would because you're paying him the money. Sure. But the Reds aren't paying these guys money. No. So what's the point in keeping somebody around? Let's get these people who are knocking on the door more reps. And if Billy can come down the line and factor in, and who knows? Baseball's baseball's a very interesting game. It could be the type of situation where his production spikes because he's not expected to be the everyday center fielder. That could happen. And at this point, you've got to figure out a way to get more out of your lineup than what Billy provides. He can't bat leadoff. If anything, he's going to have yeah, to and bat. Yeah, and you're not batting him eighth because you're not going to waste that speed in front of the pitcher who's going to bunt 90% of the yeah, time, Yeah, I mean, right? you, you, I would consider batting, batting him, him ninth. ninth. Right, I would too. I would consider batting him ninth if, if he's going to be, because you're right, you can't you can't waste what he could potentially be right, to on, me, on a pitcher. He, he's a fourth outfielder. That would be his strength. His strength is sixth inning, seventh inning, and beyond. I'm putting you on base. I'm not asking you to get on base. Maybe it comes back around to you again, and you get me one at bat and hopefully do something in that one at bat. And then over the last three innings, when the last nine outs are the ones we're trying to get to secure a victory, you're going to make a play to, to help us get, get those nine outs. That's what I would do. Here's my question to you on yes. the pitching. Let's say whatever it is, let's say the, the starting rotation, we've, we, the, the Reds, Brian Price, have established who the five guys are in, in the rotation. Let's say Amir Garrett or somebody like Amir Garrett, a Sal Romano, is on the outside looking in. 
Are they better served in the Reds' bullpen, or are they better served in AAA, where they can be, where they can come up and be a yeah. starter if somebody falters? That's, that's a fair question. I, I, I think I'm going to answer this in a left-handed, right-handed manner. That Sal Romano would be better off being in Louisville as the next guy to come up and start. Okay, Amir Garrett would be a guy that. I wouldn't mind seeing him pitch some out of the bullpen because left-hand, you just don't have a ton of them. Um, and he's just such a high strikeout potential guy that you get me him for maybe an inning, maybe it's an inning in two-thirds where it's three lefties out of five. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd rather do that because Amir Garrett's thrown the ball pretty well this do you spring. Think, do you think, though, that if you, if you identify Amir Garrett as a, a long-term, if you identify him as a starter, starter right. that this is, this is, this is kind of like uh, – you're not delaying the gratification. You're you're just trying well, to do he's what's an older, best. He's a little older guy, right? Um, right. And yeah. I, I, here's the deal. I don't. I, I, I'm using these guys as examples. I'm saying if you identify. Oh no, I know two guys that say, okay, these guys should be on our 25 man, but we want to make sure that they're stretched out in case Homer Bailey gets sure. hurt, Brandon Finnegan and gets that's, hurt, that's Anthony DiScofani get hurt. In case you know, because you don't want to have to turn if something I, I, happens. I what, Tyler Malley does not. He's not a bullpen guy for me. Tyler Malley is going to be – he's going to – if he doesn't make the rotation, which he's probably not, he's in AAA. Sal Romano would be in AAA, although I think Sal should be in the rotation, to be honest with you. Um, Amir Garrett's an interesting one, and I always – I don't know. Left-handers, to me, are just different cats. There's just not enough of them, and he has he, – he, he is such a high-volume strikeout guy that I think he could be a weapon in your bullpen right now. I don't know how you, you'd have to come up with some kind of plan to stretch him out a little bit from time to time, maybe with a bullpen session or something. I, I, I don't know that enough. Um, or maybe you just tell him, listen, here's your choice. We're going to put you in the bullpen for now. It may be where you are long term, or we send you back to AAA and, and, and you can start down there because he didn't seem to take that very well last season. This at least puts him on the big league roster when you just say, listen, dude, I, we, here's our five starters. You were close. You were 6 or 6A six or right. whatever. But you're just not one of my five right now, but we think you're one of our 12 best. So we want to put you out in the bullpen. And th- this is this uh, for a small but market th- team, this is a good problem it's to a, have. I think it's a, honestly, I think it's a really good problem to have. I mean, they have another kid, a submarine kid, and I'm drawing a blank on his yeah. name right now, who's who's come out of the nowhere and, and thrown the ball really well and then seems to maybe have nudged his way into possibly making the team. And they spent they spent money on on yes. back into the uh, yes. bullpen. Guys. And, I, and I was fine with all of that. I thought it was I thought it was yeah. very smart to do. I so. think that's the question now, though, is do you potentially take a guy that you identify as one of your top 12 pitchers and put him in AAA just in case something goes wrong yeah. with a pitching staff where a lot has gone wrong? No, that, that's fair enough. All right, lastly, you wanted to touch on this. So I'm going to let you do it. Well, we've got some – I want to touch on another okay. thing, too, before we before we touch on that. Uh, last night, I want to get your take on this because you're a high school basketball coach, and yes. I know we're probably going a little long here. I'm fine. But um, Dayton Dunbar and Fenwick played. And Dunbar was <laughs> supposed to be out of the tournament. Yes, by using an eligible player or players. Yeah, players, games that they... And this isn't the first time this has happened with that school. If you may recall last year um, in, in 2016's football season. Yeah. Um, so not last year, it was 2017's, but right. so 2016's football right. season. They wound up um, using an eligible players, had to have wins forfeited right at the end, and because of the Harbin system, it affected Princeton, I believe, right. by tenths of a point right. for not getting in. 
the and, playoffs. Anderson had turned in their equipment. Right. And, and right. you know, they said goodbye to their seniors, and all of a sudden on Monday they realized— Anderson or Harrison? Was Ander- Harrison. Anderson. It was Anderson. You're right. It yeah, was right, Anderson. Right. Anderson moved into the eighth yeah, spot. Yeah, you're right. Um, because Princeton that Princeton beat Dunbar, and that win didn't count in the Harbin, yeah, as you mentioned. So, the, yeah, this is a repeat offender school here. But they went back. They got back in. They, they won their appeal, and they're back in the tournament. They played Bishop Fenwick last night and won 27 to 26. And by last night, he's talking about Wednesday night. Yeah, Wednesday night. Yep. Um, Final four minutes of the third quarter and the opening five minutes of the fourth quarter was basically Dunbar standing at half court with Fenwick playing zone defense. I'm okay with it. You are? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it both ways. No shot clock? Shot clock in high school basketball is absurd. Absurd. There's, there's many things why it's absurd. A, the logistics of it. What's pe- but, people, but, pe- people, but this pe- is absurd. No, it's not. Cause, cause, what do you mean? Look, fans aren't it's going for high minutes. school basketball for entertainment value. You're going because you know those kids. It, it, it's a lot of family and friends. There's very rare high school games. Cooper Covketh maybe is an exception. Um, you know, Moeller. I tell you what, Cooper Covketh was an was awesome. It really was. It was the atmosphere on Saturday. People night. are, you know, the average fan is going for that for some entertainment value to it. I have no problem with it in high school basketball um, because. Um, especially in Kentucky where you have smaller schools, you have one class, you have smaller schools playing bigger schools, and sometimes that's your only way. But I always look at it like this. You don't want them to stand at half court? Guess what, Chief? Go get them. Go, go trap them. Go speed up the pace. Go do something. And, and the vice versa. If that's what you think your best strategy is to hold the ball, fine. Hold the ball. The shot clock thing is hard for many reasons because um, there's a, a lot ground, of, of groundswell here. I know there is, and I think it's the, it's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay. Many things. You have a hard enough time getting people to work your scores table at high school games. It's, it's hard, <laughs> especially for smaller schools. It's really hard. And now you're going to add another element to it where somebody has to work the shot clock and where they sometimes don't understand when to reset the shot clock, and you're going to have somebody suddenly in a game where you don't, you're not able to review whether it hit the rim or not. You're going to have that issue creep up? No, thank you. No, absolutely not. And just from a sheer strategy standpoint of it, I—, I, I the one thing I don't like about college and the NBA is they're all homogenized. It's the same game. Everybody plays the same game for the most part. Because guess what? Within 30 seconds or 24 seconds, you got to jack up a shot no matter how good but or bad it is. it's a high-level game. It's a high-level game. I still hate it. I hate everything about the shot clock in basketball. I hate it. You hate it, everything about the I shot clock it. at every level? At every level. I hate it. I just I abhor it. In fact, if you go back and look at some of the games that in the early, you look at some of the games in the 60s and 70s in college basketball, they were played in the hundreds without a shot clock, okay? And occasionally there's a team that has to employ a strategy of spread the floor. Listen, I'll tell you what, four corners, if done right when you have the lead, four corners, you can score a lot of points out of it because suddenly the team that's behind can't sit back in that zone up seven because, look, I know that you've got to come jack up a shot every 30 seconds, and guess what? There's a chance you might miss three threes in a row. That's all I needed to get back in the game as opposed to, crap, now we got to come out and guard a man-to-man, and guess what? We can't guard a man-to-man, and guess what they're going to start doing? They're going right around us and making layups. So you can force the issue, which makes the Absolutely. shot clock irrelevant. Yes, you have events like this, but I have no problem. It's just... That's the strategy part of the game that, that, that I like about coaching. I really do. I think, I think where you saw where I was going with this line of conversation, you looked like a dog that was just ready. You were just ready to attack. Yeah, I know. I know what you're going to say. Uh, I didn't th- you know what? That's a good point because I didn't think about, you know, um, you know Billy Smith getting done at, you know, at his 9 to 5 and coming over and running the shot clock. And, yeah, it's just the logistics yeah. of it. You know, I, the logistics are um, could potentially be a mess. Especially for smaller schools. I mean – 
you know, you're, you're happy when Fred's been the PA guy for 40 years <laughs> and Jim Bob's run the clock for 33 years. <laughs> right. uh, there just aren't a lot of those people around anymore. There really and truly aren't. It's, it's sometimes hard to find an accurate scorekeeper who knows what in the world they're doing. It's not that easy. It just isn't. I, I'd be interested to see because I'm not. I'm not as hard. I, I'm a little more. I'd like to hear both sides of the argument as opposed to you who are staunchly in one camp. Well, um, pe- the argument, the, the opposite argument I've heard is is well, it cuts down on the entertainment. Value. Nobody's going to high school basketball for entertainment value. You're going again because it's the school that that your kids go to and they know the kids on the floor and you know the parents right. in the stands and you're rooting for for the local team. You're not picking what there are not very many people out there that are going, man, it's Tuesday night. What high school game am I going to tonight? You're just not doing that. Occasional rare games. Yes, I I do that. But but I I mean, if it's a Wednesday night and I don't have a game to go scout or a game to coach or a practice and there's you know, I'm not scouring for a game going, boy, I really got to go to that one. I'm just not doing it. And and look, I'm a guy who loves high school basketball. Right. Let me ask you this. I know in Ohio, I'm sure in Kentucky they have something similar, but in Ohio, the OHSA allows a team to play a foundation game, which is basically you can donate all the gate to a certain charity that you want, and it's it's sort of outside of your of outside your, of the twenty two. Outside of the twenty two, oh, it's it's, I a, did not know it's that. a preseason game. It's a preseason game that you can have, but it's 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 labeled a foundation game where you can take that money and donate it. Um, would you entertain the idea of maybe on a on a temporary basis just to see how it works to put the shot clock into a game like that just to prove your point? Well, that it's, that the, it's, the only thing I would tell you is if, if that's what that game is a foundation game, you're not you're not holding the ball on anybody. You're you're playing right. You're treating it like a scrimmage. Right. I, I get what you're saying, but I think you're treating. But it like I a scrimmage. I wish that there would be a way to sort to of logis- to, to test to implement it. I, I understand that, and, and just to see, and maybe you know, maybe that is a game you do it. Knowing that that nobody's going to hold the ball anyway, but it gives us a chance to just check out the logistics of it. Yeah. Uh, the other part too is, in high school basketball, and everybody makes fun of the GCL for this, and everybody says they slow the game down. They really don't. What it is, it's it's hard to get up a shot. It's hard to get up a quality shot. I'm not just talking about a layup. I'm talking about a good quality shot. That's the other part to it too. Is at the high school level as opposed to high level college. And certainly NBA, you got guys that can create their own. I mean, you got multiple guys that can create right. their own and make tough, sh- not only take tough shots, but make them. High school basketball, you just don't. If you have that guy, guess what? You're probably pretty good because that guy's probably a Division One, Division Two level player who can go create his own, as opposed to you're running sets trying to create an open look. That I'm telling you, everybody makes fun of that. I know Broering and I have arguments about it that he hates right. the, the, the score. Look, a lot of it is you just can't get a shot off because the defense is that good. And you don't have guys who are capable of creating their own. I just, I think there's a lot of things where in high school basketball this just doesn't fly and is a bad, bad, bad idea. I think, I think too. I think we've got to be honest. I think Carl Kramer at, at Moeller knows his the strengths of his team very well. Sure. And he knows that if he can get a lot of these teams to slow the pace down, you know, if Princeton's at full strength and they play Moeller, it's going to be beneficial. In the past, I think I think Carl's got a yeah, he's ton got of a different team this year. year. It's, yeah, it's, it's, but it's actually team the, scoring in the sixties, right? In high school basketball is not. Everybody talks about well, they're only averaging sixty four a game. That's in 32 minutes. Give me give me another eight minutes that college plays, and that team's averaging, I'll do the math, 4, 16. You're averaging 80 points a game. Find me how many college teams are averaging 80 a game. Right. And I think last year when when you know when they when they made that run to the state 
championship game and they played a Maslin Jackson, a kid, a team that had a kid going to Ohio State, a mm-hmm. kid going to Toledo. Carl Kramer identified and said, we're going to win this game if we if we slow it down. That was before Davenport emerged. That was be- right. before Jackson but, Hayes but I, emerged. I, I and they should have won that game. Yeah, I broadcast that game. And honestly, Jackson had a hard time running their stuff. They did. Moeller's that good defensively. They did. So... Yeah, absolutely. I just so, don't think the shot clock flies, brother. I just don't. I got too many reasons to say no. I, I appreciate anybody with, with outside the box thoughts. You're right. There is a groundswell. There is. There is a groundswell. Especially when you see when you see games like this. All right, one more college basketball thing I want to I want to yes. touch on. Thad Mata, is he a college basketball head coach again? He seems to be popping up for he everything. Is. I mean, the one that was the most interesting when I saw his name with Old Miss, and I thought, yeah, dude, you ain't going below the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> Not a chance. Um, I think he should. How about Pitt? Be. Kevin Stallings is yeah, out. Yeah, I think that's that. That might be a more natural fit, to be honest with you. I, problem is though, is his health going to suddenly improve? Did the one year off make that make his health that much better? Maybe it did in the short term. In the long term, is I think just from sure coaching perspective and recruiting, absolutely he is. But this thing at Ohio State was more his health deteriorated to the point where, you know, he just didn't. It, it just it was just the right time for for all parties to to part ways. Um, yeah, I think he should be. It's just a matter of is his health enough to, to allow him to do that. I think to me, I think he, I think he'd be better. I, I think he'd be better served as like an NBA assistant. I don't think he's. I don't think going out. I don't. You know, and he's only. You know, a lot, a lot of people think that he's. I, I think people would be surprised to learn he's only fifty years old. Right. He's not that old. Right. It's just his. His back is about a thousand and one years old, <laughs> right? But does he does he feel that desire to go out to you know to beat the bushes to find the guys to do all that? I think he his love of the game is. I don't think you can erase that in one year. I just don't know if he's if he's if the idea of shaking hands and being a dealing with the, the energy level of that is that. really a lot. It's a it, it, you think that one year off? Okay, I'm rejuvenated. You probably are, right? I mean, you're not right. facing the pressures of that and all right. the things you're talking about. But get into it for another six months, doing all that stuff, and get into that for a year, two years, three years, four years. Are we back where you were in a year, five months, three months? Does it maybe never come? I, I don't know the answer to that part of it. Right. And the other thing that, that Adam Jardy of the Columbus Dispatch pointed out, which I thought was a really good point, was you know you see his name pop up with Ole Miss. I've, I've, you see his name potentially pop up with Pittsburgh, and you think, oh, gosh, he's, he's in the mix. He's trying to get in the flow. He's trying to figure out a way to get back into the game. The one thing Adam pointed out was, I guess, is a condition of his buyout, which Ohio State owes him $9 million. Mm-hmm. One of the conditions was you make a good faith effort to get another job. Well, that, yeah, and that's a good point, too, that, hey, look, uh, I'm throwing my name out there to these places for right. that reason. And that, that, right. that's a legitimate point as I well. I plan on getting all of that $9 million, And if that means that I have, I have to float my yes. name at Ole Miss or yes. if I have to float my name. Because I saw that Ole Miss, and I'm like, wow, yeah. is that is That, that hit me like a, a ton of bricks. A crazy yeah, fit. Yeah, was the same way. And then – uh, Jardy pointed that out, and that may be the case: is that he's he's attempting to make a good faith effort by by putting his name in the hopper for all those yeah. things. All right, let's wrap this up with this. I promise you, I'd talk about it. Um, your man card and anybody else's man <laughs> card should be revoked if they watch this show, The Bachelor. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if, if you're a man watching The Bachelor, you should have a red hot poker stuck not just in your <laughs> oh, eyeball, easy. but in another part oh, of your anatomy. We'll edit that out. No, um, no we will not. <laughs> No, we will not. I started watching The Bachelor when I started dating my now right, fiance. Exactly. That's good for yep. And, and it was a, it was a thing she enjoyed watching. This, good. Let her watch it. The, Go to the other room. Uh, the current 
the current iteration of the show was Ari Leyendijk Jr., the, the son of the famed IndyCar driver, and he ended up at the end of the show. Now, he started with 29 women, okay? He kicked a few of them off, as they, as they tend to do. Yeah, he wanted a harem in the end. Got, got to the end of the show, proposed to one girl, Becca, and then decided— Oh, Becca. And then decided—this was one of seven Beccas on the show. Of course. And then decided that he didn't want to be with Becca. Popular name 25 years ago. Bro— <laughs> Broke up with Becca. You're, you're really not going to give me a play-by-play of this. Broke article. up with Becca and then went back with Lauren, okay? He's, oh, she was hot. He's been vilified. No, I wouldn't know if she walked he's in here. Been, he's been vilified for, for, doing, for breaking up. Or he proposed to Becca. And you're really giving me a play-by-play Broke play off this. the proposal. I'm doing all this. Not as a public this. service. And I wrote, I wrote this in my Wednesday wraparound column. If you're going to watch The Bachelor... Which you can read on Local12.com. Yes. If, you, if, you, if you're going to watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette... Not. The whole thing is stupid. Right. The whole So why thing. watch? Because it's on TV. The whole thing is stupid. You cannot pick and choose. You cannot get in one part of the river and say, this is smart and this is dumb. He starts with 29 women. Dude, why are, why are you watching... I have a friend it's of mine, so Brandon bad. Slusher, who's an athletic director at Beachwood where <laughs> I coach, and he's our head trainer. He's a, he's a man's man, and he watches this show, and I can't understand it. I'm telling My you. My respect factor has gone so far below any line you can set for both of you guys. I'm telling you what. If you, I'm, you would be. Watch Brockmire you instead. You would be hooked. You no, would be no, hooked. I would not I'm telling you. Not a chance. I'm telling you. I don't watch TV much as it is. I know. I'm sure as Hades ain't watching this crap. I'm, t- I'm telling you. No. I was the same way. I'm no. telling you. If you no. watch it a little bit. Let me ask you this. If you'll dip your toe. Congratulations. You're engaged and you're getting you. married soon. Right. All those things. And I'm, and I'm happy for you there. Appreciate it. If you weren't in a relationship, would you watch? No. Thank you. Period. I, that, that, I trumped. That's it. But the point is, is that it I was introduced. You don't wear the pants any longer. <laughs> but here's the point. Here's the point. No, there's no if, point you can make. If all of a sudden, if all of a sudden something happened with my relationship, where I wasn't in a relationship anymore, and I, I certainly don't wish that to be the case, I would probably still watch it because now I'm hooked. You are weak, is what you I'm are. You are you, ugly weak. I'm telling you. Let's watch one together. No. You will be hooked. Not, I'm telling you. It's such trash. Not a chance. But my whole my whole point with with the thing with all this is is when people when people say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that 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 Ari proposed to this girl and then walked away from her. I can't believe he would do something like that." You should because the construct of this show, Fake show. is such that it's a complete and utter joke. It's like when um it's like when that tiger bit Roy and everyone was like, "I can't believe that tiger bit Roy." You should because why, it's a tiger. Why waste an hour of your week on this or 30 minutes or however long this stupid show is. Oh, is it an hour? It's at least two hours, and there's multiple episodes per week. God, go work in the soup kitchen or something. <laughs> go do anything other than that. All right, what do we got coming up on Local 12 this weekend? We got a busy weekend with Selection oh. Sunday and, and a busy week ahead for us. Selection Sunday, um, Facebook Live. Yep. Rick Broering will be back from Madison Square Garden to do that with, uh, Weather permitting. with Chad. Weather permitting, yeah. Um, I'm hoping to have uh, some role in that. Uh, just because Sunday night it, it can be a little chaotic on Selection Sunday with everything there is to do. We're working on having a special guest. I don't want to promote it too hard because it's still in the works, but we're working on having a special guest in studio for our Selection Sunday Ari show. Ari Jr. 
Ari's going to be back, and you can pay a dollar to throw something there you le- go. The smaller than a tomato at him. Um, but no, we got a special guest. We, we're, we're looking. We're looking into it. We've. We've. Uh, we'll hopefully have a. Uh, I'll just say this. I'll say. We're hoping to have a. Uh, is he bigger than a bread basket? Or he, she? He is. He is it is, a he? He is. He is bigger than a bread basket, and I'll, I'll say this: smaller he, than a refrigerator. This may. This may potentially give it away. He was a. Um, he was an assistant on a team that will be a top four seed this year. He was an assistant. He was an assistant on a team that will be a top four seed this year. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to. Okay. Because it, it you know, we're I, I, we, we're not sure if we're going to get him, but hopefully, hopefully, we can. Okay. That'll be a part of it. That'll be a part of our coverage. You'll be a part of our coverage. Yep. Got all um, kinds of stuff. We'll be out and about wherever UC goes. We're covering them. Wherever Xavier goes, we're covering them. Uh, wherever the Miami Redhawks go, if it happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this right now. I'm going to do the Ben Crenshaw before Sunday at the Ryder Cup in 1999. Mm-hmm. I got a good feeling about this. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. Saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. All right. I appreciate your time, my friend. Yep. Uh, for those of you men that, uh, that watch The Bachelor, please turn your man card into the nearest uh, nearest depot. For Jed Demusi, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been nearest the Skinny depot. Podcast presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Thanks for being with us. Have a good day. <laughs>